Hey, this is Akuya Jamfi, and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we from the British Blacklist bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. Who are you, Melanie? You say me. Well, by day, I am a management consultant, a strategist, a business professor. I also run an online business school. And by night, to give back, I am the chair and founder of the Black British Business Awards. That's a lot. The day part pays me, the night part doesn't. <laughs> Sophie is an executive director at Morgan Stanley, the global COO. During the day and at night, she is also the chair and founder of Black British Business, or sorry, the chair of the judges founder of the Black Business Awards. So how do you make it work? That's a lot of work. I guess in regards to scheduling your day and being effective, because some people can juggle and some people can't. And so I think as a management consultant, you're learning, you're taught to juggle. You always have to juggle. You juggle the client demands and you also juggle the organization that you work for. I was just contacted by my old uh, university and I'd won an award for being the chair of the West Indian Students Association. And it feels like I've always been like this where I've always had a a day job or I've had, you know, whether it be a student, whether it be working full-time for an organization. And my give back has always been part of my life, I think, from, I would say, grade eight. So how old was I then? 13, when I was in the student council, but then I was also a student. I, I don't know any other way. When you were part of the student council, did you have an idea of what you were going to get into and who you were going to be, or were you just... Still like, okay, I want to be, I don't know, a spaceship or something. I didn't know what business I was going to be in, in terms of my own business at that time. I knew that, I thought I was going to be someone, um, either I was going to be a doctor or a lawyer. That was what I was thinking. Was that your, like, your dream or was that what the parents, like, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer? Well, I think it turned out to be what my parents wanted for me. You know, I was in a pre-med program in high school. I loved science. I loved math. But when I started to volunteer at the local sick children's hospital, and particularly when I was working with um, children with sickle cell, I was just crying all the time. So my team right now, they laugh because they know that every single winner comes up and I'm always crying. Yeah. I'm always crying. <laughs> yeah. like, like, like it's the first time. And I was crying with that young girl and, and I was talking to a mentor of mine at the time. And she's like, you have to be strong for those kids. And I'm not saying that I'm not strong. But in terms of not crying in front of them, I don't think I could do that. Even now, I can't do that. I guess that's because you're so empathetic. And then maybe that reflects in the work you do in giving back and celebrating people's achievements. As a doctor, my children would, those children would need me to be thinking actively on how to bring the best holistic health care to their lives. Yeah. And that is not represented by me. I'm talking about, you know, the gentle welling of the eyes. The the welling of the eyes. Let me just make that very clear. I was actually almost sobbing. I don't know if you've ever seen a child go through a crisis when they've had sickle cell. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, and there is absolutely nothing you can do. Like even now, I think about it, I'm getting, I'm getting choked because there's nothing to do. And I just, she was just there, and all you could do was just hold her and say it's going to be okay, and you knew it wasn't going to be okay. Yeah. I think it was a good decision. I think that my empathy is, it's going to be okay feeling has carried me through for the awards, certainly. Um, for the people that I'm trying to help and represent and say, you know what, I know it's not that great today, 
but we will make it better. Yeah. So then in deciding not to go ahead with that, what was the first career that you stepped into to say, this is what I'm comfortable doing and this is where I'm starting to hone my skills. That's led into all these titles that you have after your name. I didn't step into a career. I stepped into a craft. I did philosophy at school. It was one of my majors. In terms of advocacy, in terms of stepping into the client's feet and footsteps and being able to look at things from a client perspective, that has done me so well, my philosophy degree, particularly ethics. Because the thing is, automatically, as part of any dissertation, you have to step into the other people's shoes. And so at the same time, I was also president of a debating club. And so to be able to debate kind of logically and to be able to step into another person's shoes and then say, let me look at it from your perspective, and then that's always afforded me well, whether it be through client work or through advocacy work. Uh, Melanie, so, Melanie, let me pause you yeah. here. Let me just pause you because, Amma, come here. Oh, no. Melanie, can you just repeat the thing about (laughs) philosophy, please, and debating? Go for it. So I have two degrees in philosophy, my master's as well. And philosophy has probably been the best investment that I've made in my life in regards to being able to step into another person's shoes because automatically as part of a dissertation process, you have to not only look at the argument from your perspective, and what you would kind of lean towards. We have to look at it from the other person's perspective. I'm fully step in there or else you're not going to be able to get, even have a good dissertation paper. I remember my first boss at work, he circled that. And I was like, why did you circle that afterwards on my CV when he was interviewing me? And he's like, those people can sell anything. And he's right, I can sell anything. And I'm able to articulate arguments quite logically and clearly so that I am a good communicator. And that's also because you were the leader of the debate team. I was also the leader of the debate team. Okay, thank you for that very concise summation of why somebody should take a philosophy course and why someone should join the debate team. Most definitely. I gotta say, anyone who is in the debating team, they're killer. Right. You know what? Because you have to learn how to articulate and fight. Right. And, and articulate your point of view and be able to fight your point of view, but also learn how to step into another person's point of view. Like The thing is, you have to debate, especially for the debating club, that, that practice that you get, where if you're for or against, so it could be um, abortion, for example. You don't know if you're going to be for or against at all, right? Like, you just get picked out of a hat, and all of a sudden you have to jump into something. And it teaches your brain, it rewires your brain, particularly the guys who I've debated with. All of them, every single one of them, are really good at communicating at their jobs. But number two, they don't argue for the sake of it. You know, I'm not arguing, and we know how to argue with people or disagree with people without insulting them, and we also don't take it offensively when people do disagree with us, and we don't take it personally. Particularly for some of the careers out there, it's amazing. For young women, oh my goodness, I love it. Do you know what? You know who Auntie Melanie is, don't you? Yes. And you know she's a very successful businesswoman. Yes. So my child is here, Um, (laughs) and you're getting... She's standing here laughing because you know how many years I've been kicking this girl because she's actually very engaging and very powerful in her speech, just her regular stupid teenage self. So I said, with structure, by going to debate class and and philosophy was an offer for her to add to one of her uh, uh, classes or whatever. I said, take philosophy. I'm telling you, it will help you. And she was like, no, mummy, no, mummy, no, mummy. And look, and I'm not gassing. I didn't tell Auntie Melanie to say this. This is truth and fact. Now you may leave. Let me continue my interview. I teach philosophy for business people, and I also adjudicate at a young person's debating club. It's powerful. All of the movers and shakers on our planet have practiced debating, and they've known philosophy. People who have done big things know how to articulate. 
properly and how they and communicate to the masses rather than just communicating to their friends around the corner. You better go get out, just get out. Because my daughter we have been anyway, let's get back to the interview. Ciao. Yeah, ciao. Anywho, so the awards are celebrating their fifth year. What's been the biggest surprise in regards to how long it has lasted? And some of your most impactful memories, lessons, and how have you guys actually managed to do it? It wasn't surprising that it lasted. Okay. But it was one of the things that we knew we had to do from the get-go, and we always say this, is that the awards are more than a ceremony. We looked at who our sponsors were, we looked at who our supporters were, and then we developed other programs so that we could really help them. What was fantastic about the awards was that they were an easy way for people to get involved, right? You nominate or you sponsor. But Sophie and I, we were always committed to, you know, how are we busting down the door to bring 5,000 more through after us? So how do we actually make change on larger scale with these organizations that we are working with? And it wasn't necessarily surprising, but the acceleration that I've seen in the organizations that we've worked with is crazy. Literally being at the point of starting, you know, a black or a BAME affinity network to now having these huge diversity strategies and targets Mm. that in the beginning they didn't have. I think what was surprising was the amount of other awards that came up afterwards with black in the title. We had to learn very quickly that people will try to set us against each other, but actually it's better if we all just embrace one another. Mm -hmm. There are some things that, you know, other awards programs offer that we don't. So we just wanted to make sure of our niche, but it was a real surprise. Year two, which there was like five different programs that were launched in that year that were around BAME or Black, but it was in the workplace. There were lists and awards programs. And then this year as well, we just saw an influx of programs that had Black in the title. Okay. I first came up with the awards that I, I was literally trying to convince people about, please sponsor me. You know, people didn't even want to sponsor the name Black. Yes, you know? I had you the same. Yeah, you would know this too, just because... We started right around the same time, and people did not want us to use the word black. Like, the people were trying to talk about the Spotlight Awards, <laughs> the Wood Awards, like any kind of, like, the Maple Awards, any kind of... Kind to of, avoid the word black. Or, you know, finally, I was like, look, it does what it says on the tin. It is the Black British Business Award. Yeah. That was a real surprise in terms of how many other follow-up programs had been birthed since that time. And also just because of the wide-scale nature of the use of the word black, where all of a sudden we're saying it's black, it's black, it's black. So what about some of your most impactful memories and maybe lessons learned from, the number five is not a lot, but to run an event successfully and have a great reputation around the event. I think that's quite important, especially, unfortunately, when it's applied to black events. What was so inspiring about being at at the Black British Business Awards last year, for my first time experience, was that these people that I had no clue like obviously we walk around with if you're black and you're proud you know that we're doing well people are doing well and we know it's a myth that we're all struggling without any outlook being in a room of people that are actually powerful that actually have affected change and not to say that wealth and finance is the most important thing but it is an important thing if you want to move a culture and move and shift a stereotype and control the narrative better we do need those resources so that was something that resonated so much it's so important and it's such a well-run, well-attended, I don't know, all the wells and all the goods about an awards. It's, it's really well done. So in that, what have you learned from doing this? I remember 
the second year when there were so many programs that were being launched at the same time in the same kind of vein. This speaks to the importance of mentoring and mentorship. And I remember Max, one of her co-founders from Every Woman, she said, you know what, Mel, honestly, diversity is a long game. You have to just stay the course. Because I was scared, right? So I was like, wow, like, what are we going to do now? It's going to be all these awards programs. People are going to get confused. They're almost named the same thing. Yeah. Thank goodness for my mentor, who had been in the game for 15 years. So she's an awards game, a gender awards game, which is even more saturated in terms of a market. And she was able to say, look, stay the course. We Mm. got this. Mm. You know your sponsors. You know your people. You know what they need. Just keep on going the course. And she was so right. Out of that, we birthed our research. Out of that, we birthed our accelerator programs. And so that's why, funny, it's always like this in business. It's like this in education. There is that rocky point where there's a dip. That two, three-year mark when you're an entrepreneur is a real killer. You know, you have to get through that to be able to say, okay, I have some longevity here. One moment that I'm particularly proud of, I think it just came last year, but I remember it was from one of our sponsors, a white man from Virgin, Matt. He's one of my favorite moments where on the stage when he was presenting one of the awards, he said, you know what? It's time to stop letting black people fight for this themselves. It's time for white people to fight for them as well. And to have a white man say that in front of 500 people, that's what I want the awards to get to, that it was not just about us celebrating us. It was giving people a vehicle to say, let's write the the wrong. This is a celebration, but then when we go back tomorrow, there's still going to be wrong being done. We have to fix it. So for me to fully feel like I have an ally in a way that I, I don't think I've ever felt, the amount of allies and advocates that we have built up in this program, we were able to say that all by themselves, no prompting. For me, yeah. that was that was one of the best moments of the awards program. It's, it's what we strove for. We both were at a business event last year, and in my mind, you know, the power suit, the high heels, and knowing numbers. That's not me. I'm an artsy fartsy person. I think the first day of that business event, I felt very insecure and out of my depth. And then the second day, I kind of understood how business and arts can marry. But at that point, it's like I felt very much this is not for me. What I felt was missing was that in schools, we're not told. I mean, women in general aren't necessarily told to go into business, but black children, I suppose, if we're going to put on that that negative stereotype that we're not even told to push forward in our careers for any career that's like you know high achieving. What's wrong from school to work to employment from education? What's wrong with the state of British black business, and why did you choose business? I, I can't answer the what's wrong question because I think that there it is a multi-pronged solution. Okay. It's a multi-pronged problem. And I don't think it's isolated to Blacks, but I think it's particularly acute in the Black community. The Black British Business Awards actually go across industry and we talk about beauty of the arts all the way through to the specificity of, of the STEM subjects. Yeah, There are a few prompts. So harken back a few years ago, there was a movie called Something From Nothing about the birth of hip-hop. And I remember one of, the, one of my keynotes that I gave from hip-hop to hair weave, we have birthed so much that has changed the planet. Our creativity screams and it changes things and it's colorful and impactful. However, creatives were not getting paid. So people who created hip-hop were not getting paid. You know, they were still living in some, sometimes in really dire circumstances. And literally you just saw that um, Dr. Dre had just sold beats to Apple for billions. He had become the first hip-hop billionaire. Mm. However, the people who had created it had nothing. 
that was in the back of my mind. If you see, it's the Black British Business Awards. And so people automatically leap to kind of British and your typical kind of city of London persona. However, no, it's not about that at all. It's about what are the financials? Do you understand the value of what you're creating? And are you participating in the economy? It is not necessarily about making millions and millions of pounds. And it's not about the city of London owned solely, certainly not. It is about the economic empowerment of yourself and the others that you work for. So you have traded on the value that you're bringing to the market because ultimately we all need to make money. I was hearing too many stories of people who were giving their beautiful creativity away for free and barely living and barely able to take care of their children, to take care of their communities, to take care of their families. You know, every time I talk to you, you give me that preach that hits the soul. Like, I'm like, oh, God, darn, I need Melanie in my, like, right-hand <laughs> pocket. But you can see we're not making the, the money. But the thing is, our creativity is abound. Yes. It's abound everywhere. And so that's why I'm, I'm seeing all of this action that's coming after me in terms of the kind of my younger is coming after me. And they're schooling me. Yeah. You know, like, I was talking to um, Slumflowers or Chidera, and she... You know, she was like, yep. she was talking to me about investments. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. I want our youth to know that what they bring to the market is inherently valuable and different. So they should get paid for it. And so it's the economic empowerment of it. So I think that it's actually quite easy in the city of London. It's quite easy professional services and banking because, you know, you're working for a salary. And so that's why sometimes I focus with some of the other projects that I'm involved with in my life. It is about more the creative arts media as well because that je ne sais quoi that our experience brings to the table we don't necessarily get reimbursed for that very true at that event i realized that we need a a lot more business-minded people to work with um the arts world because i think there is a lack of understanding of just capitalize on what our creativity is as you're saying so what's the criteria to be considered for a black british business award and so either you're a rising star or a senior leader, and we divide it by the age of 35. You have contributed to the UK economy. You self-identify as black. And you are, in terms of the criteria, we're looking at your business impacts. And so we don't measure power influence as much. We definitely measure how did you impact the bottom line. It's more about looking at your business from a business perspective. So you can be an entrepreneur or you could work for an organization. I think uh, there has been some expectations that we would only focus on British-owned and run businesses. But most entrepreneurs that I know here in the UK, the, the, the black entrepreneurs, we don't receive the amount of venture capitalism, of funding, um, VC funding that others may receive and so most of the time we're having to work in other places while we're also starting our businesses yeah that's why we focus on all and god willing it's always about 50 50 so you'll always see the entrepreneurs and people who are working for large organizations they're commingling at the awards in terms of our finalist pool do you get people coming at you saying well why haven't i been nominated and it's because you know that they're not meeting the criteria and if people say why aren't they nominated then it's very easy you can self-nominate for the awards this is not about you having to wait for someone to nominate you in regards to the criteria 
It's so core and fundamental. I don't have to debate with many people. We have a history of giving back to our community as a people. However, there are so many stories of our great creatives, our great advocates actually not being wealthy. And Steve Jobs said it, you have to be a yardstick of quality. And some people aren't used to an environment where excellence is expected. Yeah. And for me, excellence in finance is expected. The awards are that yardstick. I'm never going to belittle what anyone has done in this current environment because it's a tough economic environment right now. Since 2007, it's been really tough kind of starting things and keeping things going. There are too many creatives who don't necessarily need to be living the good life, but they need to be at least good for money. Yeah. You know, that their business strategy, their actual business process, their business structure is about this is how they make money and i'm not saying ridiculous amounts of profit either it, it could be a social enterprise a lot of organizations this is not just black people you know just in terms of that testing and that trying does your business model make sense and do you make money from it yeah can you pay yourself a salary from it not saying that everyone has been incredibly rich it's not that at all so it's more about your business model sound as in you know bare bones basics how much do you sell and who's buying it? And how much does it cost to run your business? Bare bones, three questions. And the answers to those questions relative to one another have to be increasingly profitable. Sophie and I have never been part of that judging process. We have an independent judging panel. I don't want to take one thing away from our finalists and winners. They got there all with their hard graft and their hard work and the, the blessed soul that nominated them. It's like in the first year, Sophie and Melly knew a lot of the finalists. I am proud to say, I think I probably knew about two of the finalists this year. Okay. And I'm so happy for that because it's bigger than me and, you know, my social circle. What happens after someone wins a Black British Business Award? How And how does winning a, the award impact on their life and how can they use it to their advantage? With the Black British Business Awards, we've identified people who are pretty much on a roll doing their own thing anyway. Okay. They're keep on succeeding. We have just managed to capture them in a snapshot in time where they're going to keep on succeeding, keep on, you know, doing their thing. I don't think that the Black British Business Awards has changed the trajectory of anyone. However, I would say for our rising stars, they've said that it's changed their life in regards to how they're acknowledged in their company and in terms of how they're acknowledged in the marketplace. But these guys are already amazing and already brilliant. They're already doing their thing. So I have no doubt that even maybe maybe the Black Business Awards accelerated that a little bit, but they would have gotten there anyway if they hadn't if they weren't already there. Well, Sometimes well, all we need is just a little tap on the back. Well, to be honest, I was going to say that actually someone I know who's nominated has said that just by having the announcement that she's nominated has changed things. You know, um, gosh, there's so many of them. Like uh, Lorraine Wright from UBS she mm. said that but again she was just she started the gospel choir she started down UGCY so really you were going to do that you were going to slay it anyway but I think and it's having the minute you win an award it becomes award winning and it could be you won an award for the egg and spoon race anyone can be say that they're award winning if they've won an award when you have certain award that you say you're the winner of ABC some of those awards really do make an difference and it is because of the structure the organization and the reputation so you, you definitely have to take that so have you had any resistance to you celebrating black businesses and how do you respond to naysayers yes i received pushback actually there was a really difficult incident i i had appeared on a radio show and fortunately we have such a strong 
group of, of, of sponsors, advocates, partners, finalists, that you forget that there are, you, you temporarily forget that actually there are people outside of those circles that aren't necessarily for you, that won't agree with yeah, what you are doing. For sure. And so the vitriol that was spewed on my head was shocking. It actually sent me in my house for about two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I think I'd forgotten. So if people come to me curious, gently curious, and they just want, they have real questions, and many of my friends have, then of course we can have the discussion on why this awards program focuses on Black. However, I do not engage with someone who just wants to argue with me. Yeah, and it makes sense. <laughs> so I've, I've stopped doing that. I think with the awards, we have positioned ourselves as ally-friendly. And so that means that people can come to us with questions. Who's doing it out there for you? People who are really milking the internet and connecting people on their own time, in their own location. A lot of people that I'm looking at right now uh, in regards to Marie for Leo or Jeff Walker, they have like whole strategies just solely based on the internet and giving people access where they are. There is something about being to kind of access things in your own way. It's really, really attractive to me. So anyone who's really exploiting that internet space is fantastic. Especially e-learning. I love e-learning because I think it's just going to break down the barriers that we have to traditional learning. Some of the socioeconomic kind of racial gender barriers that we have, Mm. then you can see that they are broken through e-learning. Thank you. So when you're not running the Black British Business Awards, you're doing what? And that's talking about relaxing. I'm not talking about all well, the I'm other... I'm an online business school right now, which is crazy. Well, this is the thing. So you can plug that if you like, but I'm talking about when you relax, because we know you do a thousand things oh. outside. <laughs> when I relax, I walk in the park. I walk in the park every single day. Yeah. I love listening to music. I love reading. Okay. I love spending time with my family and my friends. It's really simple, actually. No, it is. It does sound simple. I'm just checking because you're so busy, and you were saying about your online business school. How do people get like get involved well, with it's online? Called, it's called the Blueprint, and you can access it on my site. Okay. Now you simply the Blueprint. And what's it all about? What what are you just? It's, it's, it's fundamentals of business. So remember, I was talking to you about how people were having. Um, I was seeing a lot of businesses who were coming to me for coaching, but then the bare bones questions of you know how many widgets do you need to sell to cover the cost of your business? Sure. They just that's what this is. It's literally the bare bones. It's the business curriculum that I used to teach at the MBA school delivered online. So all the tools and the tricks and stuff that people pay 40,000 pounds for, then they're going to get it from me instead online. I, I think I'm going to click on it myself. So in conclusion, a business that aims to be successful considers the following what things? Bare bones. They need to look at their figures. So that's income. And costs okay and make sure that costs are less than income they need to look at the market and know the market in which they exist and the market includes their customers as well as their competitors and they need to have the vision and a passion that's close to their heart so that when the tough times come it will carry them through and help them work harder <laughs> okay i hear you and that applies to any business 